everybody. Welcome into this episode of the Frederick Uncut Podcast. I almost misnamed it there. I forgot the name. Uh, I am here. This is a very special one because I'm with two people who are the best two people in the world, um, <laughs> excluding Graham, our producer, who's also the best person in the world. I'm here with Danielle E. Gaines. This is going to be hard to say the names because they're so similar. Danielle E. Gaines. How are you? I'm great. That's good. And also Daniel Singh. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Daniel Phoenix Singh, I believe. Yes. Correct? Yes. So when we'll get to Phoenix. I'm interested in Phoenix in, in, a, in a minute or two. But you are, we should tell people, the executive director of Muspire Arts? Yes. Okay. And you've been in that position how long now? Five months now. Five months. Five <laughs> long months or five short months? Five busy months. <laughs> honeymoon period still or no? Yes, definitely honeymoon okay. period. Yes. Um, we always like to get some background before we, we jump into a lot of this stuff. So if you could tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you ended up coming to Frederick, Maryland. Sure. So I grew up in India. I was born in the northern town uh, village really called Varangal, and I was there about six years. And then my family moved to Chennai. I finished high school there, and then I came here for college, and then kind of meandered through d many different w programs. I started out as a computer science major, switched to a dance degree, got my degree in dance, went back for a business degree, and then this opportunity showed itself in Frederick, and it felt like a little bit of everything was going to be needed my nerdy IT side and my <laughs> dance side and my business skills and so it felt like it would be a nice place to come and get this thing going so I, I told Daniel just right before we started that my in-laws are from Chennai so I kind of want to nerd out on that for a minute so um, what parts of the city did you live in so I lived in an area called Ananagar yeah in Chennai yes okay. so that's where I kind of lived and grew up Ananagar has like a lot of shopping and stuff, right? Yes. If I yes. We went before my wedding and I just remember going around to all the different shops and yes. it was very fun. <laughs> and then I went to the Midwest Christian College High School there in Chitpat. Uh, it's a little cl close by, but okay. yeah. So. And um, what, what was life in India like for you? Did you enjoy it or? So I think India is a land of contrasts, <laughs> and so I think my life is also like that. Um, the focus was really definitely getting out of the lower middle class mm -hmm. yeah. structure that our family was in, and my family was really focused on getting me the best education I can get to like get up one rung on that ladder. So education was a focus, and uh, there was a lot of pressure for that, um, which also meant that there wasn't a lot of chance to engage in other activities like the arts mm. i mm -hmm. remember like my first exposure or, or a moment of um, clarity about the arts when i read the poem daffodils by um shelley and also when i read the monologue um in merchant of venice by shakespeare um so there were small sparks like that that felt like some, there's something here, but I just couldn't take my eyes off the computer science mm. um, program. And yeah. in India, you're tracked by the time you're in ninth grade. You yeah. have to figure out which degree you're going to do in college. So, so ninth grade. Ninth grade, yes. Oh. So from ninth to twelfth grade, I had to focus on getting my computer science classes in. And so I didn't have a lot of free time. So that's kind of where things were left off. And I didn't even get a chance to see Bharatanatyam, the classical Indian dance that 
Chennai and Tamil Nadu are known for in a live performance in India ever. Oh, really? My first live performance was in in uh, Maryland. At the University of Maryland? Is that No, I was working as a janitor at Rockville High, and I ha- had uh, to work a weekend. And, yeah. And Very I found out that there was a dance performance, <laughs> yeah. and I saw an Indian dance performance yeah. as a Very janitor. Very common, like, in the American <laughs> Indian culture to, like, rent out a school auditorium for your Bratanatyam. We just had one of my sister-in-laws last year, and yeah. I think we did it at a Jewish center, though, yes. um, in California. So. Yeah. Um, but everyone comes and they're like, yes. I, I assume there were like hundreds of people there. It was yes. a big it's festive like, thing for that family. Yeah. Other than the marriage, they say that's like the biggest thing families do. So yeah. It's pretty involved. <laughs> and so did you know right then that you wanted to connect more with arts or? So, yeah, I felt like that was a moment I felt like I could afford it and I could, you know, I was working, I could pay for the classes. The pressure wasn't so much to get the degree the way it was in India where my parents were paying for my education and I felt like I had to like do good by then (laughs) and now that I had a job and I could do things I started getting interested in different things I started taking Indian dance classes and I took um, a ballet class in college and um, the ballet class really was the one that made me switch majors and decide to become a dancer. Did you always know you wanted to leave India? Yes uh, I think it's so my sister got married to an Indian American when I was in about fourth or fifth grade. So we knew there was a possibility. But, you know, life is pretty hard unless you're in the upper class in India. And we were on the lowest rung of the lower classes. And so even if I had graduated with a bachelor's, I probably would be a clerk or something like that. It's really hard to move up there. So uh, as soon as my sister got married, we had this option. And, and I just definitely wanted to come over as soon as I could and I also didn't quite know about my sexuality as I was growing up but you know I'm a gay man now and and I think there was something about that also that was awakening itself um, Mm -hmm. when I was in high school and just definitely wanting to get out of Dodge (laughs) you know as quickly as I can I went to a Christian uh, high school and we had prayers in the morning um, prayers in the evening Bible study on Wednesdays, choir practice on Saturdays, and two church services on Sundays. And, you know, as a little gay boy (laughs) in a very conservative town um, who didn't know he was gay yet, you know, like, so the U.S. had lots of options for me. It felt like I could be gay, I could be an artist, I could be, I could experience being an Indian in a way I couldn't in India itself, you know. So there were just all these um, opportunities for me. So it was was waiting for it to happen. Was it always Washington, D.C. in that area that you wanted to come? Again, that was just like a fate thing. My sister lived in Maryland, mm-hmm. and since we were moving here, we didn't know a mm-hmm. lot of uh, yeah. other places, so it just ended up being that we came here. Did, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how old were you when you came I was then? 17. Okay. 17. Yes. And so I think um, I read in a Q&A that you did that um, you chose Phoenix upon upon moving here is that right yeah so i had a really long um indian middle name it's vijayanthan and um, at the time that i moved here um, my name wouldn't fit on driver's license Uh, they had like uh, eight to ten character limit on the first name middle name and last name so it would cut off my middle name it would cut off my last name and so it was just this constant battle of trying to prove that i am who i am and so then i just took vijayanthan means 
conqueror of the world or eternal conqueror. So I felt like the phoenix rising from the ashes was an equivalent of that. And so oh, nice. Yeah. So um, have you visited the rest of, I'm assuming at this point, a lot of other portions in America since you've been here? Yes. Uh, are there any that you like perhaps more than this area? <laughs> oh, that's a tricky question. Um, <laughs> this area I really like because I feel like you get the proximity of cities and, mm. and, and I feel like the goodness of downtown without the pressure of big cities, mm. you know, so Frederick specifically, Frederick and even Washington DC. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really a small city, you know, compared to the other big cities. So I feel mm. like you get, you get neighborhoods, you get to know people who live next to you for five to 10 years, which, which is unusual in a bigger city. So I like that about being here. Um, I don't like the pressure of political urgency that's kind of in DC and in this region where Mm. I couldn't go to work without crossing a protest or something every day. And, And I know you have to take action and be involved in the civic civic duties but it's um it just puts you on this edge you know and but but i also then i think about the privilege of well who chooses not to be on edge must be in a very privileged place to be that way so Mm. it's a lot of again contrasts Mm -hmm. i think and so when you when did you found um dakshina Uh, because i assume you'd get to do a lot of travel through that organization yeah so i founded uh, dakshina in about 2003 2004. I had just finished my MFA at University of Maryland. I was doing, the MFA was very focused on modern dance and I was still involved in classical Indian dance and I was like, well, what if you put the two together and and no one was doing work like that or very few people were starting to experiment at that point. And so I felt like I had to, had to start my own company and partially also because I was an older dancer. You know, I was starting to dance in college and there aren't that many opportunities if you're not a ingenue like by age 16 Mm -hmm. you have to be this perfect (laughs) dancer you know and so i had to create my own opportunity so um and dakshina also means offering and i felt like i had been given a lot of gifts and this was a way for me to give back to the community and to the art form now that's a non-profit correct yes okay so you had that idea and from what i understand and we should say too uh, because uh for those who don't know that's your as you just said you started that that's your dance company it's still going on, correct? Yes, my dancers are running it right now. So um, it's it was really important for me to find a way to make sure it was stable mm-hmm. and that it was a succession plan. And when I did my MBA, that was part of the work we did in mm-hmm. transitioning the company. And so the dancers run it mostly now. And I just go and poke my head in once in a while and make sure they're not <laughs> running wild. <laughs> Do you think that'll always be a part of your life? I think I'll probably always be the founding artistic director because mm-hmm. I think I want to have this vision of bringing cultures together through the dance mm-hmm. that our company does. And we also have a strong focus on social justice issues. And I also want to be able to, at some point, hand this company over to a choreographer of color because as I am sitting here now in my executive director's seat and looking for companies to present in Frederick, it is so hard to find a company that's over five or six years that's mm-hmm. been managed and run by a woman or a choreographer of color. Mm-hmm. So then it makes me think that there's a need to sustain and carry these institutions forward. So I, I would love to be able to take what we've created and give it to someone else so they don't, they don't have to start at year zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and and your troop in, does include though people of all race, races and yes. backgrounds right yes. that's kind of one of the things yes. about it we do we have some classically trained indian dancers from india and then i train my dancers for a long time and the company brings in guest choreographers from india and around the u.s to train them so they're from all backgrounds mm -hmm. yeah. and you have something called the festival of south asian asian arts coming it's the 15th installment yes um is this one of the bigger events that the company puts on or is involved with yeah so the company does this once a year mm -hmm. and so this is yeah this is one of the bigger festivals okay. we do each year and it's in dc it's in dc yeah it's july 7th through 8th yes <laughs> we'll give it free we'll plug give it a, yeah we'll give it a plug we'll get, will you. you be there I will be there just for the performances, but again, my dancers are mostly managing most of it, and mm. I, I help them as much as I can, but it's their baby now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, obviously, you found your way to Frederick yes. by one way or, or another. Uh, from this, you I'm just interested in the mechanics, and I think you and I, we've talked um, off air about this before, about how you kind of got here and how you got um, involved with New Spire. Could you please tell the rest of the world that's listening right now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so when I finished my MBA, I was looking for a job where I could combine my skills of, you know, arts, IT, management. And I wanted to, I wanted to do it in a place that was going to be exciting and challenging. And a lot of the jobs I was interviewing for wanted me to fit into something that was already pre-programmed. They just needed someone to come in and push the paper through and manage things and i i wasn't so interested in that you know i moved from india once switched from computer science to dance then from dance to mba so i i want to take something challenging and and so none of the previous jobs had that offering for me where i could really shape something in the future and so newspire arts had this amazing opportunity where we were given two amazing facilities in downtown one right on Patrick Street and the other one on Church Street, and also to have the whole ecosystem of the arts community planned and thought through. You know, there was an educational f uh, facility we had that was gonna build everything we needed up to the professional artist level on the stage side. So I think given those resources, we are starting out with this amazing project. And so when the job opening came up in Frederick, I really wanted to figure out how I could get this job and. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a long and challenging interview process. Um, it took about four months, and Whoa. I had given up at that point. <laughs> we I hire people uh, just off the street yeah. here. You know, I had I had pretty much thought that I wasn't going to get a call back, but I, it was good to know that they were vetting their candidates so carefully. You know, well, I want to go into that process a little. Four months. What did you have to do? Did they give you an obstacle course? What was the time? <laughs> So, you know, we had the initial meeting. Um, there was a search firm that was involved, and we had the initial meeting. And then after that, um, almost a month after that, we had our in-person meeting. And then after that, I had to do a pitch presentation of what my vision and what my service would be to the community. What could I bring to offer to this community? So I had to do the pitch presentation. And then we had kind of a off-record dinner kind of uh, event. Um, so so each one took about three to four weeks because they were scheduling a lot of busy people mm -hmm. to meet me during these times. So it took me a while to get through all of those. And y then, yeah. You said you got to a point where you had given up? 
yes i mean after four months i just yeah. assumed <laughs> i was like <laughs> it's it, they must have found someone else and but then you know it was really reassuring to get the call back and you know i was excited to be able to come come and start up yeah now you replaced Elizabeth Lucas. Did yes. Have you met? I'm assuming you've met. Yes, I'm, uh, we worked closely together. She okay. worked with us for about uh, six weeks after I started and helped me transition. And so she did a lot of good work to get the organization started. And so we're able to build on what she started at, mm -hmm. at Newspire Arts. Well, I'm glad you said that you had to pitch a plan because yes. now we're going to ask you what your plan is for, for <laughs> Newspire. Uh, you, you've been there five months, as you said, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about a couple of things I know that we've talked about before, forming committees and things like that around town. But overall, we'll just a very one year from now, where do you see Newspire Arts? One year from now, I would really want us to be known as a cutting edge performing art space where people can come and make mistakes. This is something that came out in our artist town hall. Artists said we want to fail spectacularly mm -hmm. and we mm -hmm. want to be able to create a lab series that would give them an opportunity to fail as many times as they want till they can come back and present themselves in a professional curated place. So I think that's going to be an important part of our programming. And then the other part that's going to be really important in one year from now is to have these committees established. You know, we're trying to really follow a creative placemaking model so that we want to have the com community involved in as many ways as possible, whether it's directly in programming, curating, our teaching artists, partnerships with the Goodwill or the YMCA, all these places we want to build synergies as we build our organization. We really want to see the arts integrated throughout. So that maybe a year from now, if they're looking to make a sign, they might think of an artist to make a sign for a business rather than sending it to Kinko's. And if they're thinking about a bicycle path, maybe they'll think about how can artists create the path as opposed to having just an urban planner. So it's, it's, it's a co-design that art artists are involved. And so we're really thinking about how we can infiltrate and subvert and take over as many places of the city and county as we can with do the arts do you think frederick is an arts town or it's on its way to Ooh, be i think question. i think it's on its way to being there i think it's definitely known for its food and antiques and um, breweries and wineries and i think it's definitely on the way to being an arts town visual arts are really well represented in frederick and i think the performing arts can now step up and meet that growing need in every artist town hall we've had people have said we need theater that's a mid-sized theater to be able to do the kind of work we want to do so i think the artists are ready and i think the community is ready so now it's like seems like the perfect storm really to have all the pieces come online at the time that it's coming online i'm glad you said that because that uh brings me to a quote that you gave this very new newspaper in <laughs> january uh you said and this was in a relation to new spire stages mm -hmm. um you said they hope to have the construction done by august we'll have a soft opening sometime in september you said this in january it is june 13th that we tape this how is that coming <laughs> So we're, we're a few months <laughs> behind now, so uh, we hope to finish construction by November, and we're okay. still planning on opening in January. We've signed our artist contract, so um, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not at a liberty to tell you who the artists are yet, just yet. Why not? We can break <laughs> news. <laughs> but in a week, maybe, okay. I can, I can we'll do that. We'll have you back on. Yes. Then. 
Um, but we are hoping to open January 17th to the 21st of 2019, Martin Luther King weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and so w- would you have like a diverse group of artists pr- yes, planned for that? Yes, we'll or? have um, local, uh, regional, and national artists. Um, the ones that are confirmed, I can say something about. We have uh, a choreographer slash director called uh, Celeste Miller. She works at uh, Grinnell College. And she does work called devised theater, where she comes into community and prompts them with questions and uses their feedback and stories to build a a product out of it. And so she's going to use the prompt uh, "Strangers in a Strange Land" Mm -hmm. as a way to start this work. And she's going to she's going to be working with Frederick-based dancers and actors Mm -hmm. to create this work. And so it'll be the first time this work is created, and it'll be seen time at Muse by Arts with Frederick artists performing all the the music, the text, the dance and so it's going to be exciting. Mm. People might be a little confused. What is the what is the difference if there is a difference between Newspire Arts and Newspire Stages? So I think uh, Newspire Arts is the umbrella mm-hmm. that has two facilities, Newspire New Stages mm-hmm. where the theater is housed and Newspire Studios, where the classrooms and the educational programs okay. are housed. So Newspire Arts is the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Newspire Stages for professional presenting and Newspire Studios for the educational programs. And speaking of the educational programs, this was something, <laughs> uh, you know, you said, quote, I think right now our biggest focus is the education program. Uh, I was over there last week, right? Mm-hmm. I think I, I was, yes. uh, and I saw a whole lot of kids. Yes. There were a lot of kids running around and, they, they can be a handful. Um, <laughs> how has the summer gone thus far with uh, classes and Classes like are that? going um, well. I mean, we're, we're where we need to be for a one-year-old organization. I mean, we would love to have a thousand more kids in there mm-hmm. because the building is 24,000 square feet, and our goal is to activate all three levels of that building as capacity grows. Our summer camp uh, registration is about 185 right now, and, you know, that's... Mm-hmm pretty considerable given that we're just a one-year-old organization and our partnerships with the YMCA is really helpful because they're able to find ways to build arts into their after-school activities so it's not just about coming and doing a 45-minute activity but it's connected to their lesson plans and tutoring so that the students are getting more than just uh, arts activity and we're also working with a goodwill and we hope to have a partnership with them where we can use the arts for job training so that if someone's taking an improv class or a comedy class, they can also talk about how comedy could be used to diffuse and make a situation tolerable, conflict resolution, and how improv can be used for creative thinking and public speaking. And so we're trying to think about ways arts can be, again, more of an anchor in multiple ways rather than just something you do on the weekends or after school. Weekends and after school, you uh, you conti- you live in Washington D.C. I believe. No, I live in D.C. Um, Frederick. You yeah. do live in Frederick. Yes. Wow, okay. welcome there to the community. Well, welcome. <laughs> and how long <laughs> have you been in Frederick? Since January. I Since moved January. Here in okay. January. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you, would you like to give out your address for people to come? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Patrick Street. Well, that, that's fair enough. We don't. It's, it's 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 five minutes from my job, and it's great oh, it's because I love to be able to walk to work and walk back. Yeah. And that's. I, I think I think when you lived in D.C., m- oh maybe yeah, well, d- were you <laughs> renting out a basement apartment at one point? 
maybe it's uh, I had a I, gr- I lived in a group house. I so. think me and my husband applied to live <laughs> in the basement <laughs> and we got denied. <laughs> this is the Sorry. best story. No, you can't just tell the cliff notes. Look, we did we, not we have enough money. Hear. Like we had no business trying to move in. But I'm pretty sure I met you many years ago. Um, like, uh, yeah, renting out a basement apartment or somebody from the troop. I know it was folks from Dakshina who were renting yeah. out a basement apartment. I mean, I had I had a group house, but I lived in the basement, so I'm not quite sure. Oh, okay. So it might have just been one of your colleagues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prob- or it could have been that you're trying to rent one of the rooms. and. Yeah, you know. okay. <laughs> Our housemates are very democratic. We make every rule together. They, they actually did a scientific poll for the temperature on the thermostat. Yes. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they wanted what your I average was, what the lowest you could tolerate, and what the highest you would deal with. <laughs> and so that's, so every process for a housemate was <laughs> that rigorous. Okay. And even All though right. I owned the house, I couldn't make any decisions <laughs> without every housemate weighing in on every single thing. So. I appreciate that. Danielle's problem was I'm the temperature. To, yeah, I'm going to try to go home and do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that is, so can one of us move in with you and Frederick is the next question. That, uh, yes, okay. I will definitely okay. be <laughs> looking for housemates here as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. So yeah, when, when we were talking about you coming on, she said, I think he denied me a place to live. So, Don't uh, worry. We had no no business. Like, if we had one salary in Washington, D.C., yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so uh, for the, the rest of the year, uh, are there any events, any things coming up for New Spire that, that you'd like to tell us about that are kind of, you know, you guys are really, really putting a lot into. I know you've done open mics, these sort of themed open mics that are interesting. I think the African-American open mic night was a really big success for you guys. Yes, that was really great. We had almost 80 people there and um, we got to have a lot of local artists like mm-hmm. um, Stitch Early and uh, um, Luna too. Luna think, was yeah. there um, and we had a Charity Blackwell, a spoken word artist from DC come. And we also had about eight people from the community sign up to perform, which was amazing. You mm-hmm. know, like the community performed more than the featured artists. Mm. So that was really a really successful one. And we are planning on having a book release party. There's a book coming out called West Wingers. It's uh, young leaders in the Obama administration. And so they've written a book about what it was like to be on the cusp of so much change. And one of them, Leah Katz, was a student at MSD, Maryland School for the Deaf. So she's coming back on October 27th as part of the book release, and she's going to be in the book release and the discussion afterwards, but she'll also meet with the MSD students one-on-one just to give them career coaching and mentoring skills. So that's one event we're excited about that's happening on October 27th. And on October 28th, we have a partnership with the French Embassy and the Alliance Francaise and Frederick. We're bringing a singer, Eric Vincent, here. So the French embassy was bringing them down, so we partnered with Alliance to bring them to Frederick. So mm. that's going to be nice to have them. We're hoping to do um, something around the LGBT community for October 11th, National Coming Out Day. Um, so hopefully we can have a all-ages show that will include s- uh, some spoken word, drag show, cabaret, burlesque um, for that. And I think we're going to be working with you on having a weekend of uh, music. Uh, and I think you'll probably have to fill me in on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't well know the full <laughs> scope of that. <laughs> we, so. Now Colin's on. No, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll yeah. figure that out. But we'll, uh, we'll definitely 
uh, that should be good too. That the, all those things, though, that's not those are not going to be at New Spire stages, right? They're no, they will be. Uh, yeah, correct. They'll okay. be at the studios mm -hmm. for now. We're just trying to find a way to get in the yeah. community even before the theater opens. And for those who, I mean, it's at the old what's known in town as the old Artomatic Building. Yes, it's one fifteen mm. East okay. Church Street. Yeah. So yes. if they want, and uh, can people just kind of stop by at any time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we usually open from like ten to about seven in the evening, so they can. Oh. Just come by and take a look at the building. That's yes. a that's a long day. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm interested in your uh, Marvin Osherman is a big part of this as well, and yes. I'm interested in in your relationship with him and how it's been working with him. So my marathon interview, the day I came to Frederick, was from 8:30 in the morning till 4:30 in the evening, and that's the lunch day. was also an interview with oh. a committee of people that I had to meet, and. I, when I was preparing for the interview, I was just dreading it, thinking, how am I going to get through seven hours straight of interviewing? Oh, wait till this podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really nervous. And then when I started meeting each group, I felt like I was getting more energy from them. Each mm. group was giving me more energy. And I saw that there were people like Lee Adams, the director of his foundation, and um, Pete Couchman, who directs and manages his estate, High Glen, and Andrew Welker, who manages the construction project for Stages. They were all incredibly talented professionals who could be working in New York or Chicago or California or Tokyo or name it any big world city. They could be working in any of those places. But they were here and working with Marvin, and I felt like there's something he's giving them in terms of mentoring that no one else has been able to, to be able to recruit and retain talent of such high caliber. And so my last portion of the interview was kind of a wrap up with him. And he said, well, what do you think you need to make this project a success? And I said, I want these three people from your team to help <laughs> me get started because I see how much you rely on them and I see how smart they are. And, and you know, he's been really at the forefront of philanthropy, and so that's exactly what he's done. He's given me his lead management team to get Newspire Arts off the ground. So Lee Adams from the Ashman Family Foundation is going to be helping us for the next three years in a managerial and consulting capacity. Pete Couchman is going to be helping us as a fundraiser and the interim director and as many other hats as we can throw at him while he's uh, helping us get us off the ground, and Andrew has been managing a projects. So we've really found this perfect fit of philanthropy, business, and the arts communities working together. And he expects a lot. Marvin is a visionary. He looks at a hillside, and he sees a community that he can develop there in 15 years from now. And so you have to be able to move at his speed and be able to visualize that and make it happen. And so I think it's exciting and it's challenging. And there are days when I think, oh, I wish I had like six more arms or I could clone myself five more times. But he never challenges me more than what I can do. And he's always there when I go back and say, I need help to get this last bit done. Mm -hmm. And so I think as challenging as it is to work for him, I'm growing a lot and, and I think it's going to be incredible when we get this whole thing started and off the ground to have his backing, hopefully continued backing. 
you talked about kind of feeding off the energy of others. What do you what do you do to you know keep your creativity alive? I think one of my favorite quotes is uh, creativity can't be used up. The more you use, the more you have. Um, so how do you do that for yourself? So I write in the mornings. It's mm. like from the um, hardest way. I try to write every morning for about half an hour. Don't make it all the way to half an hour every morning, but I try to get at least two pages in so that it might be 15, 20 minutes. I walk a lot. I try to walk at least for about an hour a day. So anytime I have a business meeting call, I put my headsets on and get down on the creek and walk up and down. And I really find that walking and being in nature is wonderful. And that's amazing in Frederick that you can be downtown and then be on the creek and then be on this amazing walk without any distraction. I listen to a lot of music and I read a lot. I have about six unfinished books <laughs> lying <laughs> by my bedside that I go back and forth and, and dabble in as I get time to do that. And then to, f to manage my fidgeting, I crochet. Oh um, my goodness. So I need <laughs> Not to what I thought was going to come. <laughs> I need to. I, I am quite fidgety and I pace a lot when I'm nervous. And so walking kind of gets the pacing out of me. And to kind of manage my fidgeting, I crochet and it just kind of like I can put a podcast on and crochet for a couple of hours and I feel like, okay, I got all the tension out now. Oh so. my goodness. I have a million mm. more questions now because of that answer. <laughs> so what kind of music do you listen to like in the background? So music, I don't listen to music in the background. If I ah. listen to music, I feel like I have to pay attention to it. Yes. So when I get a massage, yes. I will always ask the massage therapist to turn the music off because I cannot relax when music is on because I feel like I have to give the musician their full respect wow. and listen to it so always uh, and the massage therapist is always annoyed that i make them <laughs> have to work in silence for an hour but <laughs> i feel like if i'm there i can't listen to music and not have my mind trying to like connect to the music so i always listen to music as an activity so i listen to music all across the genres uh, you know hip-hop rap um salsa i got into tango about 15 years ago um, when I was just on a whim went to Buenos Aires didn't speak any Spanish I just wanted to go and I went there with Thanksgiving and there happened to be a queer tango festival happening and I got hooked on that so I listened to tango music and salsa music a lot um, and Bollywood is like my go-to yeah it's like my sugar you know what and, and is not your in favorite Bollywood <laughs> song <laughs> she's been waiting to ask Colin that question just like oh goodness. gosh um, there's an old, old song by Sharmila Tagore. She, I mean, she, she's not singing it. She's the actress in the movie mm -hmm. and, and Dharmendra. And it's a, a song, Kuch Dil Ne Kaha, Kuch Pita Nahi. It's like the heart said something, but it's really nothing. So ah. it's, it's both this kind of, she's talking about the moment she fell in love, but she couldn't quite find the words to say it. So, mm. so it was a really beautiful song. I'll send a link I'll to you. I'll have to look up and that Maybe one, we can yeah. post it after the <laughs> podcast for it. Do you have a favorite Bollywood, Tollywood movie? Bollywood movie. Favorite. <laughs> there are so many. Um, so I would, I would say Salangay Oli. Is a, it's a movie about a, a, a guy, a dancer. And I think that was the first time I saw a male dancer classical Indian male dancer in movies. And that was Salangay Oli, Kamal Hassan. He's an accomplished dancer yeah. performed in that. Um, and then there's another movie called Sila Neyatil Sila Manitarkal. It's, uh, it's means 
people at random people at random times or or it could also mean specific people at specific times so it's one of those complicated mm. Tamil mm-hmm. words to yeah. translate but it talks about a young woman who gets raped and what mm. happens to her in a very traditional society and she is thrown out of as the one as a fallen woman and instead of attacking the perpetrator the victim of the crime had to pay the price mm. mm-hmm. and so this came out in the 70s or 80s and i was shocked to like you know see this in a film and but also to like give the the woman the power in the end you know she finds her own voice and and she there's a different ending that's imagined in the story what would have happened if the family hadn't thrown the woman out Mm -hmm. what would have happened if the perpetrator had been held accountable Um, and it's a very complicated story because she ends up meeting a rapist and falling in love with him so mm-hmm. for for the times you know you think of Bollywood as just this musicals people running around yeah. trees kind of thing this is a Tollywood film but it was dealing with very complex issues about agency and sexuality and women's rights and conservatism versus liberalism right. and um, all conversations that are still happening they're all conversations that are still happening yeah. but it's a it's a film I watch over and over again uh. um, it's it's a hard film to watch but it's it's a, it's a one that helps you find your center and your integrity if you feel you're distracted uh-huh wow so. you can keep going but can i tell you who my favorite indian actress <laughs> is? yes yes <laughs> so, please. so reka reka is my in favorite favorite indian actress um she was she was called the phoenix of um Bollywood, because she reinvented herself in multiple stages of her career. She came in, she was, you know, she's a dark-skinned South Indian actress. Dark-skinned actresses were not very popular in the North, and she found a way to break in. So she made it to the top, and she was established as a dancer. And then, of course, Bollywood, you know, by the time you're like 25 or 30, you're too Mm -hmm. old. So then, like, she, like, lay low for 10 years, came back at age 40, and, like, got a top number one film for that ran for like 100 weeks which is unheard of and mm-hmm. so she reinvented herself multiple times in um in bollywood and so this kind of approach to reinventing yourself as you age as an artist was really fascinating for me uh, um so i think that's why mm. i like reka I'm going to have to get like a full list of things that I should watch from you. Cause uh, we can have a whole weekend. Because yeah. uh, I tend uh, to buy like the one or two or five dollar like DVDs that are like, I, I don't know, yeah. uh, behind the counter at the Indian grocery. And yeah. so it's always like these very low budget movies. But yeah. I, I listen to them to try to pick up vocabulary and yes. stuff. So, no, But we'll, I should maybe look we'll for some higher level stuff. Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> for a dollar, dollar movies. I, oh, there. gosh, they're always great. Uh, There's always like you know the the dopey cop running around like yeah. those kinds of movies <laughs> uh, i want to touch on this however briefly and then and then we'll, we'll wrap up with a couple things uh i read it, we were reading articles on you all day we poured over so much <laughs> oh my all, God, day. all my dirty secrets yes <laughs> but, but i read uh about the macarthur fellowship there, there was something i had read from you that th- this was mentioned in one of, i think it was the q a danielle that you had sent over 
maybe you said that you did you say that you think it's just the highest honor in arts maybe oh yes or? yeah okay. it might have been something like uh, that oh i read it as though colin you gave were, you one uh, yeah i gave you one. Oh yes <laughs> so I will, i'll take it gladly okay. <laughs> you can give me one well that's yeah, what comes know. with this podcast yes. you leave with one of yes. those no i think it's like an aspirational <laughs> thing you know okay I, 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 well you leave with one of those in a pint glass yes everybody that, who comes that's there. great there we go um there's there's also something uh, that I really wanted to ask you about because I'm really interested in this. There, you, uh, you, th- the question was, what's one of the most overrated social customs? And you and you said clubbing is the most overrated s- social custom, and you said it's different from dancing. So, uh, so which how what's the difference? Which do you prefer? It sounds like you prefer dancing over clubbing. Yes, I prefer dancing over clubbing, and I feel like you know I was going to the clubs in D.C. in the '90s and even early 2000s and dance was very social you know you went dancing and I I find that now people can't dance if they're not drunk which is kind of a sad thing to see I know that there was always you know you needed some social lubrication fine but um, the ability to be comfortable in your body is so important you know and I find that we're losing that as a culture and who knows if it's because we're cutting education in schools or if students have uh, don't have access to the arts or what ends up that an adult feels so uncomfortable to dance that they have to be drunk completely. And so I, I, f- I hope that we can find a way to get people comfortable in their bodies again. And I think that's going to be really important now as we get so focused on technology and you know in 20 years we'll all probably have android bodies but (laughs) you know we still need to be able to get and move in them and i i miss that in society i miss that a lot and i think that's why i hold on to the salsa and tango because it's a social dance you meet someone and tango especially is so intimate you know you're like in this close embrace your eyes are closed as if you're a follower and it's like in a four song beat you create a whole love story it's like you came you met you had an affair and you left and you probably never see this person again but you had that moment and you don't have those moments anymore in social dancing and and i miss that and i wish or hope we can recreate that rekindle that Mm -hmm. way of connecting with people uh, I have uh, one question that I'm going to get out of the way for Danielle to geek <laughs> out some more because this is actually Danielle's uh, final podcast with us. So yes, we're, we're very yeah. sad f- about this, but no doubt the best podcast, sure, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. We've got Bollywood um, in and we've got yeah, Tango yeah, in. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be good. But I, I want to ask you this question and whatever Danielle has left, sure. she can ask. I always ask everybody this. I have to ask you. You've been here now five, six months living in Frederick. Where's your favorite place to eat in Frederick? I would have to say Sumitra Thai downtown. Yes. I love <laughs> spicy food. And then Agra Palace uh, for Indian food. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I like the wine kitchen, too. If I want to go sit on the creek, then I would. So those are, those are my top three, you I would say. You guys so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> I found my new best friend <laughs> in our last podcast. <laughs> That's all I've got, Danielle. Uh, I was going to ask you where you go eat Indian food at. <laughs> uh, well, Agra Palace, and I cook. I cook a lot. Well, not as much since I started this job, mm-hmm. but hopefully I can change that. What's your favorite to cook? Um, I love cooking with shiitake mushrooms, mm-hmm. um, paneer, and um, I gave up meat about 18 years ago. Um, 
after reading about how meat is processed in this country. I grew up eating meat in India, but um, so when I miss meat, like shiitake mushrooms and paneer and mm -hmm. things like that really are the next best thing, you know, and mm -hmm. I love it. So I love cooking those yeah, dishes. we had actually Colin over to our house That's for a traditional right. South Indian yes, dinner, yes. and you liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I loved yeah. it, but she never invited me back. But so then, I did, you, did you eat with your hands? No, ah, I gave silverware. I gave silverware. Yeah. But what, what was the, the thing at the beginning? Th that yeah, I loved? so at the beginning we went uh, not typically South Indian, the Pani Puri, just yes. because to me, I, so I grew up in like the Midwest, Illinois, yeah. so. Um, kind of adopting the South Asian culture sure. and really caring about it and wanting to know how to do things correctly. Um, even though Pani Puri is not South Asian, I had never experienced anything like that. And like lemon pickle is like yes. one of my top <laughs> favorite foods on earth at this point. But yeah. the first time I ate it, it's like I had nothing to, to even draw to from. Yes, um, yeah. So I thought Pani Puri would be a very fun experience for Colin. Explosion of taste. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it was. I loved it. I yeah. highly recommend it to anybody listening. Yeah. Anytime you go to an Indian restaurant, if they have Pani Puri, you should give it a shot. Do you have a favorite Indian restaurant in D.C.? I would say Bombay Club. Mm, Are yeah. you familiar with that, Danielle? Of course, yeah. yeah. And oh. with and the spinach, at yes, the, the spinach and salad. And Rosika is a good, good one as well. And there's actually a story about eating with the hands. You know, like the chefs in India actually feel like the metal interferes with the taste of what they've cooked and that's why they don't want you to eat with a metal instrument mm -hmm. you know eating so it's 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 interesting how these fats yeah. come back a few years later mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i didn't know that so, so yeah. i'm gonna eat everything with my hands now yeah mm -hmm. uh, no matter what there's it like is. a whole tech before i went to india i wanted to make sure that i wasn't offending anybody so i just paid really really close attention to like all of my in-laws they weren't my in-laws yet but everyone's hands as they were to like figure yes. out the like scooping technique and whatnot <laughs> so i could like not be super messy because it's actually a very clean um you know people don't have like dribbles all over their down to their elbows and yeah. stuff it's a very clean i did <laughs> <laughs> way of eating um but i definitely for me i had to practice <laughs> yeah less plastic forks less yeah, dishes exactly. to wash yeah you know? <laughs> this has been so great uh <laughs> so so great uh daniel singh thank you was, thank you for coming by and talking to us today i hope you had as much fun as we did it was amazing and i found a new best friend <laughs> a new best friend <laughs> yes and it's fabulous um thank you so, and new spire arts everybody check it out new spire arts dot org yes aha uh -huh, i had that i had that uh you can now proceed to get your macarthur genius grant on your way out of here along with an uncapped pint glass uh, <laughs> sounds great danielle thank you thank you Goodbye. <laughs> it was Goodbye. really wonderful to share this podcast with you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i'm gonna go away now goodbye <laughs>